Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Winningham. Now that you found us, make sure you hit the subscribe button or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That way you will get all of our old episodes as well as all of our new episodes as soon as they post. Also, people ask us this all the time. They're like, how do you find the other podcasts in the network? It's pretty simple. Just go to that podcast provider, type in five reasons sports, spell it out, and you will get all 15. You don't have to download all of them at the same time, but they're available there for you. And they are all free. We're also about, uh, I don't know, a few weeks away from a website uh, where we're going to be able to provide all of this content there. It's going to make it a lot easier for people to find. All right. I was at the Heat game last night. Um, I mean, this team is what it is. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what else to say at this point. Um, you know, from night to night, you know, they'll play up to competition. They'll play down to competition. They're a 500 team right now. They're two games under 500. They're actually in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. So there still is a chance that they could slip out of this thing and have what I think is the worst case scenario, which is basically to finish ninth in the East and, and not get up in the lottery standings, but also not make the playoffs, which makes this whole thing pointless. Um, but what we're going to do today is nobody really cares about uh, the current team and where it's going. Everybody cares about you know, what the future is and whether or not they can offload some contracts and try to get better. And so we have brought this guy in. Uh, we had him once before. I knew as soon as I suggested this topic to him that he would start sending me emails with possibilities, <laughs> which has already happened. He is the only person in the country who is more addicted to the trade machine than my partner here, Chris Whittingham. And it is Evan Cohen. And Evan, what do you do when you're not working the trade machine? <laughs> well, that's all I do, Ethan. That's it. That's all. That's Breathe it. and sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you can hear me Monday through Friday on ESPN 106.3 in West Palm, uh, 5P to 6P. I'm on in the mornings on Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius, 6A to 10A. And then Tuesdays on NBA Radio on Sirius from 1P to 4P. So that's what I do with, besides the trade machine. And during all of these jobs, you are working the trade machine, right? Like, so it just, it's on brand, right? Like that you're you just. Know, I actually, well, it's funny. I actually was told recently, like by a mentor slash friend slash boss, like enough during the show, maybe just like during the outside portions of the show, like not actually during the show, please don't do that. So I've actually gotten in trouble for the trade machine recently. I think I'm the first person in history to actually get slapped on the wrist for too much utilization of the trade machine. <laughs> no, you're the second because uh, Chris Cochran, who was the producer uh, with of their show that Chris Winningham and I did on 790, uh, used to do it during the show, and I could not get his attention. And I did have to tell him <laughs> once uh, that he needed to pay more attention to what was actually going on in the show, and he was reporting things. Uh, from the horizontal, which is his version of the vertical. So it's it's uh, it's not just you, Cohen, but but you're certainly up there. All right. So here's how I'm going to start this. I'm going to let you guys figure out the different permutations. Um, I'm going to start with a quote. This is from Pat Riley. This is in a piece by our friend Tom D'Angelo in the Palm Beach Post. This is July 2017. Um, the headline of this, and this is not Tom's fault, because um, who knew? 
Heat President Pat Riley has accumulated assets on reasonable contracts, period. Look <laughs> out! Exclamation point. Look, uh, look so, out. So, no. I, I, I guess would be my, my, my retort to that. No, that hasn't no, happened. No, no. I, well, we need a narrator. They were not reasonable <laughs> contracts. Okay, so here's some of what Riley oh, said. Wait, I'm actually going to argue this already, guys. Oh, no, okay. please they don't. Are not, they, well, no, hold on. They are not reasonable contracts together isolated mm-hmm. you could look at some of them as actually, one-offs and say that they may be reasonable contracts not I, no, many no, okay. and not majority but some Here, here's where i would agree with you they're reasonable contracts for a small market team so actually one of my biggest ideas is basically i don't want to say swapping rosters but uh d- doing a major swap with indiana because they right now are looking at a team that has nothing but expiring deals, and I don't know if cap space is valuable to them. I don't know if paying Thad Young twenty million dollars a year is valuable to them. I actually think that now that the you know, and and obviously the Victor Oladipo injury last night was really difficult to watch, and it sucks for them because I mean they probably had had sort of visions of maybe even getting to the Eastern Finals even after losing Oladipo. They beat Toronto at home, so I, I but I, I still think now. They have to consider getting some long-term contracts on their cap sheet because I don't know if the long-term contracts that they can either find in free agency or uh, re-sign their team to would be better than what than than my some of Miami's long-term contracts and how it would help their team. So I do think that yeah, but Chris, but there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that because and sorry to interrupt, but if, if that is your overall concept for Indiana. Miami would not be the place that they would go. I would look at Indiana and say, if they're going to try to compete this year under that premise and basically substitute someone for Victor Oladipo that could also pair with him in the future, and they have already seen the home state-like influence of Oladipo who played in Indiana, the obvious guy then becomes Mike Conley. Sure. Because if your thought is, go get Gorin when he's healthy for Darren Collison and you know, Corey Joseph together, which basically the money works. Sure. That's great for the heat. That doesn't necessarily make sense for the, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. for the Pacers, because Gorin could still opt out, which they're actually not looking for. And when he's at his best and healthy, he's just not as good as Mike Conley, who's from that state. So I don't, I don't know that I look at that making sense for Miami. But but my, my, my broad overall point is that I think the Heat's roster construction would work for a small market team, but not when you're taking yourself out of contention for the big fish. And that is really it's really been the biggest uh, subject of difficulty for Heat fans to gra- to grapple with is we're taking ourselves out of the game for a bunch of guys that are role players at best. Well, apparently, though, uh, when you go back to summer of 2010, it was look out because they'd signed all these guys. I don't want to pick on Tom. I love Tom. But can I can I read another passage from this column? Because I, I, I just I, I want... See, I'm going to be the, like I'm good. For, like Tom D'Angelo of all of the writers and you guys are audio people now. So that's how I look at it. Well, you Skolnick. I mean, definitely. Sorry, you're not a writer anymore in my mind. And I, and I mean that in a complimentary way because screw that. But anyway, um, Tom D'Angelo is like my best friend of all South Florida writers. And now I'm going to get crushed because we are pawning off of this story and annihilating him for things that he didn't do. Uh, so oh, no, 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 no. I'm not. An, I, lo- I love Tom to death. I, like I said, I'm not annihilating no, no, Tom. I want to do that. Was, I'm saying but, let's do more of it. Well, OK, well, we could do it. But here's the thing, Evan. Uh, he was not the only one like I, I this just happened to be the first column I found. But there are other pieces out there that were written at the time that were applauding Riley for recovering. Um, not a lot of them, but were report uh, re- applauding Riley for recovering after the Gordon Hayward thing. OK, I mean, uh, this paragraph here, the notion that Riley has lost his fastball because he could not land Gordon Hayward 
or even his mind because he spent about 162 million of Mickey Arison's money with GM Andy Ellisberg's help on three four-year contracts where James Johnson, Deion Waiters, and Kelly Olynyk is misguided. Riley knew exactly what he was doing after learning Hayward was headed to Boston. He quickly recovered and re-signed his top two free agents, plus retained Wayne Ellington and added Olinick. And then, you know, he talks about the contracts being reasonable, including the Johnson contract, which to me is the is the worst of all of them. But horrific. Uh, right, it's horrific. Okay. But he, let's get to Riley's quotes. Let's get off of Tom's back here. Okay. Riley's quotes. They are assets. If something comes along somewhere along the way, there are opportunities to do other things. I don't have plans to do that. But you need the need those kind of assets, okay? So I mean, this was the whole idea that these were flippable contracts, and what we're going to find today, and I want to try to direct you guys as much as possible here, okay, to the different types of trades that can be made. But what we're going to find today is they're not easily flippable. They haven't been easily flippable. The idea that fans have that like the Heat don't realize they need to do something. This is my favorite on Twitter. That like you know they, they don't understand that their team is not good enough they know their team's not good enough they just fucked up like i mean that's that's where they're at at this stage in my opinion i agree with chris it's different for a small market team in sacramento and memphis and indiana you have to overpay you didn't have to overpay the only offer that that deon waiters got that i know of was one year 17 million from the lakers that was it and the knicks flew him up there we're gonna fly him up there and yet you give him four years so that's the overall context let's start here if the heat are going to try to make a trade to get better okay let's start with that category do either of you have a trade that could make them a potential first round winner in the playoffs and in the indiana situation with oladipo plays into this because i wasn't expecting this when i prepared the pod but is there any trade out there that either of you have made if they decide to go the riley's always going to push to win now route Boy, that, that is – see, that's where it gets tough because my mind has gone to this place, okay? And I, and I, have, a, I have something you can do, but my mind goes to this place. Overachieving and underachieving meet in the exact same spot, okay? And what they've had are a bunch of overachievers who are no longer overachieving. And what my suggestion has been would be to find the underachievers on shorter contracts because I believe it's going to actually end up in the exact same spot. So I don't think if you're thinking that how do they get better this year, the ways to do that would be to consider moving Josh Richardson or Justice Winslow or Bam Adebayo, which I I don't have any interest in doing unless I'm getting a whale in return. And I don't believe that Bradley Beal is going to get traded. I don't want Marcus Hall on this team, and especially considering the relationship with Coach Fisdale. Like that's the thing I've seen when people were tweeting at us on the uh, on the the promotion of the podcast, and everybody's putting these Marcus Soul things on there. Like, what do you think that they wouldn't call Fisdale and find out about Gasol before trading for him? Like, and I'm not trying to clown on Gasol has had a great career, but like that has to factor in. Mike Conley sure could get them better this year. But he's playing the same position, in essence, that Justice plays, and then you're stuck with a terrible contract moving forward. Ethan, there are trades that we could come up with, but it pains me to think that that would be a smart strategy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, and, and you just go you go looking around the league, and I, to me, the thing, if you're trying to improve the heat, is a three-for-one trade that nets you a real quality player that basically takes over, a, you know, an Oladipo kind of role in Miami because there's a vacuum for that. 
at the moment. But I just don't see that player out there. That that's obvious. I mean, unless unless we're going back to the Jimmy Butler, you know, well, because you know it, it hasn't worked for a third team. But then you know, are you going to be the one that gives him the five year deal? I, I don't feel comfortable with that. So I, I just don't know where that player is at the moment because for me, the only thing that solves the issue of Wayne Ellington and Kelly Olynyk t- uh, taking DNP coaches' decisions on not knowing who your best lineup is every night is a three-for-one trade. But again, that costs $30 million. And what $30 million player is out, or, you know, 25 to $30 million player is out there that you want to take on at this point? And like Evan said, will you know will help you win and is that well you want to sign to the long term. So, I mean, is Kemba Walker that I, guy? I, I'll, give, I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Okay. And I'm not saying that they would do this. Would Denver consider moving Millsap? And I don't know why the Heat would want – he's a great player, but I don't know why the Heat would consider want him, wanting him. But, like, if they could get two to three guys that could mm-hmm. supplement it, you know, better than Millsap with the understanding that like, they have, you know, Barton and Torrey Craig and they have, you know, Michael Porter Jr. coming along the way. Like, they have guys that are ultimately Trey Lyles that could replace that. Maybe that's the guy because he's done at the end of the year. You know, in the setup for this, Ethan, you said when they lost out on Gordon Hayward, and it triggered a thought of, I wonder if you said to Gordon Hayward right now, would you rather be the best player on the Heat mm-hmm. or the sixth man on the Celtics? Which one he would rather be? Oh, the Heat. Mm-hmm. The Heat. I, I don't think there's any question. But, you know, again, the circumstance we talk about the Oladipo circumstances. Like, nobody knew that Gordon Hayward was going to get hurt the way he did, and now he's not. I watched him the other night. Like, he doesn't resemble the player in Utah. It's not just a fit thing. It's like, he, I don't think he's back physically all the way at this point. So that no, one's hard I know, to but do. I'm just saying, like, that, that it's interesting looking back on it. So mm-hmm. I guess then that is, I mean, Chris, maybe you have somebody else on the top of your head. That is the guy or mm-hmm. a guy that fits the, he's a three for one, 30 million, would probably be the best player in the team, and would have cap space in the future, but ha- would allow them to have space in the future. But what does Miami have that Denver would really want in that spot? Yeah, I think it's just sort of an upgrade on some of those young players that you have now. You mentioned Torrey Craig. I was watching last night. I mean, I'm surprised that he closes for them, uh, and, and, and he plays such a big role. Obviously, he has a role to play, but I do think they could do with you know one or two more kind of you know perimeter scores uh, that help with Jokic, maybe a, a little bit more of a complementary skill set there. But again, uh, Millsap, you know, 29 million. That's probably a player, and, and I, I, I think they feel like when he's in their lineup, he changed them. The other one, too, um, in terms of helping them out again and contractually not a ton of relief here but I think CJ McCollum might be another one I, I don't know Portland's interest in breaking it up but I think just the fact that he, he's become a little bit more limited to scoring rather than playmaking I think there's a lot more there uh, for CJ McCollum to do but obviously Dame Lillard has such a stronghold on that team you're, you're offering the proposition of having your own team if you're CJ McCollum his three-point shooting's a bit down uh, his playmaking is definitely down from where it was uh, three or four years ago he might need a change of scenery and and sort of be and sort of be handed the keys to a team uh, that he's yet to have in his NBA career. That might be another one that I would consider doing. Okay, so let's let's go there for a second. First off, uh, Gorin and Ellington for Millsap in theory works. That's only if the Nuggets are going to want to go with a three guard scenario sure. where Gorin is the true point guard. Uh, I don't know that they would do that. The Heat would be smart to do that if they had that, because again, Millsap's off the books. That's, that's yeah, the, the only, the only thing, thing is that a... the only thing is that you take on another five million dollars in that trade, and I like I don't think they're going that much further over the tax. Right, but that's that's trade one. Remember, the tax is the last day of the season, not sure. the day of the trade. Sure. So they still would have opportunities to clear. Um, now to the McCollum point. 
theoretically everything you said makes sense relative to the heat and his per- and his uh, stance there in Portland. Plus, I'd add to that the perfect guy to play next to Justice Winslow is a guy who can guard the point guard and also obviously, you know, shoot first. So McCollum would, would factor that in. I think that would make sense. But Portland's need would be the same thing that Miami's need would be. They don't have three, four guys. Mm-hmm. And so Miami doesn't have anything to give them unless you want to, unless Winslow is going to go and basically become a forward for them. And I don't, I don't have any interest in giving up Winslow because, you know, one thing that we have to, I think, go back and kind of rewind on here with the understanding that it's laughable to think about this now. I think Riley, when he signed all those deals, lined it up specifically to Anthony Davis's contract. And I think he wanted to make sure that he had everything available and open for the most logical megastar to change teams that could easily be the best player on a championship team that he thought he could get. And I think Anthony Davis was that guy because when Anthony Davis is technically a free agent, I think we all probably anticipate he gets traded this summer, but when he's technically a free agent is when the heat will have a ton of cap space. Okay. So my guess is Riley thought he would tinker until then make the playoffs until then almost basically what they did in between Shaq and LeBron. You know, if you Mm -hmm. want to look back, they'll they'll have enough They'll They'll be relevant enough to then try to get Anthony Davis. And in no way, shape, or form am I sitting there saying they're going to be able to get Anthony Davis. I just think that if I had to guess, that was part of the thought process. And so how I would position this is everything to still keep that dream alive, meaning go get me Markel Fultz and Dennis Smith Jr. and all these guys that could amount to something that you pair with these guys mm-hmm. for a trade potentially with Anthony Davis. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. But, Ethan, you brought up the, the Tom D'Angelo headline in the Palm Beach Post, which I think it was a great place for us to start. My guess is that was the goal. I want to introduce you to one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Brunt Insurance, where you can find all of your protection under one roof. They offer home, auto, commercial, and life insurance, and they're licensed to write insurance for the entire state of Florida. That's Pensacola all the way to the keys. They've got multiple carriers for all the product lines. Ensure you're paying the lowest rate in your area. And I can speak to this personally because I sent Greg Brunt all of my insurance policies that I had with other companies. He came back to me, said, well, one of them you're doing okay. So just keep that one where it is. But I had one for a condo and I had one for my cars. And he said, in both cases, I could be doing better. He saved me $700. Took one phone call, 15 minutes. I don't want to use 15 minutes because somebody else uses that. It took 14 minutes and he got all of that stuff taken care of uh, for me. So check out bruntinsurance.com. That's bruntinsurance.com. Greg's also a proud sponsor of the Homes for Heroes program. That means if you're a first responder, teacher, military, or healthcare professional, you'll get a special discount from bruntinsurance.com. Here's the phone number if you prefer to do that. 954 589 Two two zero four. So if that was the goal, and, and I'm not disagreeing because Pat's always going to go for the the biggest fish, right? So it was to me, it was always Anthony Davis or Giannis, and to sort of position yourself for one of those two. But if that's the case, then why go sort of all in for Butler? I don't know that they went all in, but they went pretty damn far. And then we're hearing a lot of rumblings about Beal. Like I, I mean, I, there's some stuff that we're kind of we have internally that we have not reported, you know, out all the way at this stage. But we do know that the Heat have been engaged uh, in conversations there. So, I mean, if is it just maybe you were going for Anthony Davis and then it looks like it's a pipe dream at this point and let's just go get sort of a second-level star? Because, I mean, Bradley Beal's 
emerging. He's 25. He's having his best season. He's not Anthony Davis, right? Jimmy Butler is 29. He's never going to be Anthony Davis. So do you think maybe that there's a recognition here that like that's not happening because because Evan that's not happening like it's it's not I mean like I I can understand why Pat would think it could but why in hell would 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 Anthony Davis switch to Rich Paul okay mm-hmm. with LeBron in Los Angeles with the Lakers clearing cap space with Rich Paul sitting courtside there and then direct Anthony Davis in any way to Miami of all places that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, and I'm not right. I agree with you on that. Um, what I'm saying is, does does Pat think currently that this trade deadline can be used for the ultimate goal, knowing the ultimate goal has changed from free agency to trade? In other words, have we seen enough of guys like Winslow, Richardson, Bam, and let's say one to two more guys that somehow they could end up with that he realizes Either I've got to get him this summer or I'm not getting him. I'm just, I'm just putting this out there as right. why, why are we talking about this and why are they in that situation? And my guess is because the ultimate goal was to get that guy, which I think we're all in agreement they're not going to get. Now, I'm not in any way, shape, or form going to question your reporting on this with Bradley Beal. What I am going to tell you is others, which you know, mm-hmm. have reported that he's going absolutely nowhere. And – I mean, I, you know, being on NBA radio now and I get to talk to some people off air that I hosted right. and they've told me some things about like Bradley Beal is so damn good. We don't realize like one one guy who I think is a brilliant NBA guy who's traded players, been a general manager, said, said to me, Bradley Beal is so good. They have to do everything in their power to get John Wall out of there because without John Wall, he's a championship caliber player. And so I just think that that's the guy that they're going to keep. Now, I don't know. You guys think that there's an offer that could blow them away? I mean, it, it, would, it would then be cashing in all their chips, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be, you know, a first round pick, you know, at least two of the young guys and then, you know, probably Goron or no, I, I don't know if Goron would make sense there. Um, but yeah, I, it would have to be like cashing in everything to go and get this player because he's a young player on a long-term deal that is your first build-around piece. And I, I think, as you said, if Washington is going to part with this player, they're going to have to get a ton for him. And that basically requires the Heat to give away all the things that they don't want to give away. The only way so I, here's I, what I, can, I would do, here's yeah. what I would do from the Heat. If you guys if you're saying there's talks about Bradley Beal, neither guy would like this. But this is, to me, how you get Washington a bite. We want Beal. We'll give you everything for him. No, not enough. We'll take Wall, too. Mm. Okay, but let's talk. I think, I think it's take Jan Mahinmi, too. I think, I think that, that might be your way out of it, is if you take, you take a guy nah, that's giving that's, them nothing. I mean, we're so close to that being an expiring. Like, if, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's, at, he's one year. Like, that, to me, doesn't – like, if I'm Ernie Grunfeld in Washington – what in the world would excite me about trading Bradley Beal? Great young players, debatable if he'd have that, let's mm-hmm. say they do, and shedding my worst contract with him. That's John Wall. But the problem with that, see, to me, that would have to be a three-way because, I, 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 look, I don't know how, I don't know where it stands now, but it's been pretty clear that the, as you mentioned, the Beal-Wall relationship has not worked. So why, why would, I guess, why would another team take that on unless you're so stubborn that you think you can make it work, which Pat is, uh, I guess. Yeah, I mean, who are we but, talking about here? Well, well right. I, I mean, I, I guess, but I mean, that contract, man. And I, look, I'm, I'm a big John Wall supporter. Like, I, I'm one of those who, you know, would bash Colin Coward for his John Wall takes. Like, I, I've had good interactions with John Wall. Um, I, you know, I like John Wall as a player. But but the one thing that has been clear is that it just hasn't worked in Washington. Like I mean, with Wall and Beal, it's just it's not 
a workable partnership. So, I mean, could you get a third team to take John Wall? I, I maybe. I mean, maybe. That and remember, would... it's a twenty million dollar. It's basically a twenty million dollar hit of yeah. real money for for Washington. But my point is, is it worth it for them to be able to start over? And I honestly believe the only way you're going to get Washington to bite is if somehow you come up with a plan to get Wall out of there with them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, right. And just basically and, and, way, and allow them a the complete way, restart. Yeah. Today, Washington is two games back of Miami in the long haul. Oh, oh that, I know. And that's they, disgusting as it is. Oh, and they're trying to make the playoffs, right? And 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 that's the so look, they're trying to make the playoffs. Look, the Heat are in real jeopardy here. I mean, they have a couple soft games coming up, and then they have a, a sort of a murderer's row of three games for the All Star break. Now, sometimes the Heat play better against better teams, but I mean, this could get ugly quickly. And, and that's why I, I want to pivot here a little bit. So I, I did want to talk about Beal. But all right, so let's look at a couple of situations that I think the Heat need to clean up. Okay, so there's the idea of including a Winslow, a Bam, a Richardson to try to get better or to try to sort of make some sort of a lateral move that makes you more flexible in the future or to try to offload another contract. But I'm watching Wayne Ellington yesterday, you know, 45 minutes before the game, shooting from 50 feet swishes. And it's clear he's not playing here. He's too good a guy to go public about it, but there's been enough articles at this point that, you know, he's not happy. Right. Um, And, you know, and we've, we've heard too that, you know, some agents, I don't know that it's Ellington's, but there are some agents who are not happy with the way that the heat are handling playing time, which I get because they have a roster of 12 B minus players. And so, you know, at at a certain stage, you know, when Spo plays one and not another, another is going to get upset, particularly, if one of those is like Kelly Olynyk and has a bonus in his contract for how much he plays. Okay. So, but let's start with, with Ellington. Um, and th- there's a tax issue here too, because if Mickey sure. doesn't want to pay tax for this team, they, they have to try to unload something. And Wayne would be a logical person. Where could you send Wayne Ellington where it was more than just worth helping to take care of Wayne Ellington and giving him a chance to play. Is there anything they can do with Ellington to get something of value? Well, I saw, um, and I don't know a ton, like enough about the cap. Like I saw the Albert Namad piece yesterday that he wrote about all the different teams, whether it's the Lakers or the or the Nuggets, um, teams like that. I mean, the obvious one that I have thought about is to pair him with Kelly Olynyk and basically to make him Marco Bellinelli and Kelly, Kelly Olynyk to make him into Ursan Eliasova and trade him to Philly. And this is I don't know that Philly's going to be willing to do this, but to get Markel Fultz, Mike Muscala, and Justin Patton because there's two guys there on expiring contracts. You could get rid of them immediately in Muscala and Patton if you wanted to. And then you have Fultz. And that, that to me, would be the goal, is to try to get him and to get that kind of reclamation project. We've heard that Philly wants to get a first-rounder, but I don't see giving up a first-rounder in that spot if you're Miami. Um, unless you're, you're guaranteed you're going to make the playoffs and you don't think it's a good draft and you're not in the mix for Zion, then maybe it is worth it because you're getting a former number one overall pick. But that's the immediate thought because of the, the fact that he has a no trade and we know he'd probably waive it to go to Philadelphia. We know that they know how to use guys like that because they did it last year against Miami, as we saw. So that's been my initial thing. I'm not the only one who thinks that, obviously. But, but that, for me, guys, is the initial one as to what I would do if I were then, if I could pull that one off. Before Chris jumps in, I, you know, again, my, I suggested this two months ago in a column. I know you say I'm not a writer anymore, and I'm not, but I did suggest this. But I my said it su- as a compliment. You're in my I, world I, now, and I love it. I, I know. I, I, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's because I can't string three sentences together anymore. But my suggestion was Ellington and Magruder for faults. Uh, but the way that Rodney has kind of, uh, you know, fallen apart, I can see how the Olenek possibility 
would be more important, especially because, you know, as you mentioned, Sharich is not there. But here's the problem with this is that Pat, I don't think Pat will trade with Philly because Pat's history on this is he doesn't like to trade within the conference and he particularly doesn't like to trade to a team he might see. And as ridiculous as that sounds, because they're not beating Philadelphia under any circumstances in the first round of the playoffs. If the Heat stay at six or get back to six, which is certainly possible when you look at the other teams competing for that spot, and Philly ends up at three, which is also very possible, right? Especially you look at what's happening with Indiana now and Oladipo. I would say Philly might be the favorite for the three if it's not Boston. Then you're looking at them in the first round, and Pat's not going to allow Wayne Ellington to make seven threes against him in a game three on his home floor, right? I mean, I think it's ridiculous, okay? I think it's archaic. It's kind of like when Pat didn't like, you know, Zoe and Ewing going to dinner, you know, during the series they were playing against each other or guys picking each other up off the floor. But that's Pat, man. He's Schenectady. I, I just I, I don't know if he'll actually do that. Man, but to acquire traded, the, to acquire the former Lauren number one overall Rodgers pick, though. To, to Boston, no? <laughs> Zoran Trakic. <laughs> that's uh, true. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, but um, I just – to me, to acquire the, the former number one overall pick, and if there's ever – I mean, the Heat make players out of G League guys and undrafted guys and second-round picks, and they turn them into rotation players. Like, if you're telling me that the culture can create all you know all these you know uh, pieces from where there once was none, and you've turned Rodney Magruder and Derrick Jones Jr. into rotation guys and a second-round pick and Josh Richardson into a guy that you wouldn't you know want to trade and uh, – and, and, and just all these different things that you've done. Tyler Johnson into a $50 million contract. Hassan Whiteside into a max deal. Like, you've done all this reclamation of guys that really didn't have a great deal of talent to begin with. I mean, you're starting with a number one overall pick, and you can mold that over the course of a year. Fultz will no longer be in a spotlight where he's going to be demanded to be an important piece in a playoff team. Like, I just think you have to think of the asset first and foremost. And so I, I, I hope that's not I, the case. I, Chris, I agree with you. I agree with everything you're saying. In it, but if, can you, if, think about this for a second. If Ethan is right and it's the Heat that would say no to that deal, there, there are bigger issues than I realize. And I freaking love this team, as I know you guys do also in terms of following them and everything. But, like, that's crazy because it also it also gets me back to the original theme of, well, now if you have full, okay, you're still the same team this year. You're not worse because you're trading guys that aren't playing. And you now have four guys that could be included in an Anthony Davis trade to at least get Del Demps, the general manager of the Pelicans, on the phone. Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, Markel Fultz, and Bam Adebayo. And I think there are other trades to be made to get them on the phone for Anthony Davis because, again, I'm trying to keep that goal alive. And then using that as a one-year sales tool, but I'm going to have nobody else on the roster, so who cares if he leaves at that point because then you don't have bad contracts. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just saying that that trade kills like three birds with one stone. You get rid of a, of a contract in, L- in KO. Ellington is, is appeased. You get a former number one pick, and you get an asset for Anthony Davis. And, if, and, if, and, and, and the other thing, too, is you might be getting rotation relief, too, because if Markel Fultz isn't ready to play this year, then you're basically get, getting rid of two guys that aren't going to play, and you're not really replacing them. Like, okay, maybe you bring Mike Muscala in, maybe he plays five minutes, but you're, you're kind of also solving the, the headaches of Eric Spolstra of, I got 11 dudes to play, and I can't play all of them. So if I have nine That's dudes right. to play, that might help, and they can all have that security of knowing that they're going to be playing every night. I agree. Yeah, so, so you just said I agree with. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. I first want to tell you, about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Berlitz Broward. You may be familiar with the Berlitz method 
of teaching languages. I can speak to it directly because about a year ago, my daughter was about three and a half years old. I put her in Berlitz Broward. This is over on Flamingo Road in Pembroke Pines because we wanted her to learn Mandarin. She already knows English and Spanish fluently, but kids have an easier time learning languages at times than adults do. So we figured that she might enjoy it. Not only does she now enjoy it, she now counts up to 100. She knows all the colors and shapes. When we go to Chinese restaurants, she speaks Mandarin with the waitresses she orders for us. Sometimes not the greatest, but it's pretty amusing to actually watch it. But the other thing that Berlitz does for you is they have adult programs. And so that's actually what we want to introduce you to today. Their adult programs, they teach languages English, French, Spanish, Mandarin, Italian, German, Portuguese, and more. So if you ever wanted to learn any of those languages, or maybe English is not your first language and you want to learn how to pronounce better and be better in the business space, that's something that they can work with you on. So I'm going to give you a phone number here. Make sure that you call and mention five reasons. Here is the phone number, 954-743-0077. So again, they have kids programs, but they got plenty of adult programs. And I can tell you because we've been doing it, they will work with your schedule. Whatever works with you, in terms of when you have to work, when you've got things with your family, they will put you on the schedule and they will get you the right instructor. So again, mention five reasons, 954-743-0077. So, uh, so I have some other uh, Wayne Ellington ideas. Um, one would be... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash, Miami Heat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, Dion Waiters and Wayne Ellington to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Andre Robertson and Alex Abrinas. Uh, those are two players that are not, not, uh, not relied upon by Oklahoma City, and you can give them two rotation caliber players. I mean, I, I was looking at Ellington and really figuring out, okay, who needs rotation caliber players? I think Oklahoma City could definitely be one of them, uh, and that's just salary relief for Dion Waiters. Um, uh, I, I, I did well, let, the, me just, let me just let me just stop you on that. Yeah, one. sure. The concept of trading Dion Waiters anywhere, where a team is not ridding themselves of someone that they don't want in any capacity, I don't think will happen. The only exception I think, Evan, though, could be OKC because Presti liked him. Uh, yeah. Now I know he didn't. And he was I know good he for did, them. 
he was good for that. I, I know he didn't keep him. Um, and it's a little different now because they have Schroeder. So, and, and he's been good for them. So, uh, you know, they're a little bit deeper. And Derek than Ferguson is developing nicely. And yeah. they play Abdel Nader, who, and, and Diallo is actually really good. Yeah. Pablo no, he Diallo is, is actually, it's so, I mean, really good. That, really good for like a guy that nobody's ever heard of. I mean, right, right, so right. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I, I like the idea, Chris. I'm not sold on that because I just don't believe that you're not going to, like, you, I don't think you can give away your garbage without getting someone else's garbage. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, another, uh, two more uh, similar kind of idea, Waiters and Ellington for George Hill uh, of Milwaukee. Again, that's a player that uh, is an expiring for them. Uh, he's on a non-guaranteed final year of his deal, and you can turn him into two guys instead of one. Um, but he, but, but Chris, sh- Chris I'd be shocked if Milwaukee did that. Yeah, I'd me too. Okay. I, I, I think he serves a valuable role for them because okay. he can play both spots. So. And then, and then no, I, I think they, but I think they would trade him, but uh, George Hill. I, I just don't think they're going to take on money for next year when they're going to have to figure out ways of signing Bledsoe and Middleton. Mm-hmm. And because they know that guys aren't necessarily going to come there despite Giannis and the new arena. So I don't buy that. But see, the interesting thing with the George Hill, if you actually, again, back to my, you know, overachieving and underachieving kind of meet in the same spot, clear cap, George Hill for Goran Drogic is an interesting one. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because that's another one where secondary ball handler, secondary playmaker. And they don't have to re-sign Bledsoe if they don't want to because then they have – because Bledsoe is going to make more than Goran would next year. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. You're reuniting Bledsoe and Dragic. That worked out well the first yeah. time. They'll be thrilled. They'll be thrilled. Uh, now, and, and the other thing, too, you, we're talking about, so I think the other category, and we can maybe get to this uh, later, um, is the distressed assets category. Uh, you mentioned Fultz already. There are two others. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., I think, is definitely one of them that the Heat could target um, and maybe take on some of their expiring deals and, and giving them some players, including uh, Goran Dragic, who for me would fit really well with Luka Doncic, yeah. especially given uh, their, their history. But the other for me is Terry Rozier. Um, you look at his on-off numbers and and you look at uh, how he basically is hurting the Celtics right now, he might just not be a fit for them. And, and I, th- I think Terry Rozier might be someone that the Heat can consider. Again, it's hard contractually because Boston either has, you know, max level guys or, you know, very minimum level guys. I put together Aaron Baines and Rozier for Ellington and Magruder. I don't know what you guys think of that. No chance. Okay. <laughs> I, think well, well, I think there's more of a chance that I serve as Brad Pitt's body double than that happens. <laughs> because you don't think like, you, there's you, no you don't way think, I can, you don't think Daniel deal with that. Uh, that plus Baines is is like valuable for that. Yeah, and I is. know that they have Robert Williams uh, from from his state, and they have Daniel Tice, but like I, I don't I don't see that. And I also don't know. And this this may start a whole nother conversation. I don't know that they're going to want to pay Kyrie what Kyrie's going to want to get paid. So yeah. I'm still not sold that they know what they're doing there, and I think they're going to let this season play itself out. So why trade a guy who you could potentially have who you trust for less? Yeah, I just I, I don't I don't see it. And and by the way, they had they had Rodney Magruder. They let him go. No, that's true. That's true. And and I, I look. I think with Magruder. Uh, to be honest, I think we can. Uh, this is a subject I want to get into with you guys because I feel like. You know, a lot of Heat fans have pushed for the, the Heat to play certain players at times because they feel like it, it increases value for guys to play. And I actually think with certain guys playing more has decreased their value. Like like Ronnie Magruder is a good example of this, right? Like I think what we saw from Ronnie Magruder early in the season, we're like, wow, okay, you know, there's a rotation player in there. And then, you know, suppose playing him you 32 argue, You argued there was more. Well, I thought there might be more. And then you're looking at 32 minutes a game of Rodney Magruder, and once you get to it, 
I'm not going to go quite as far as Alf went on our Miami Heat beat pod where he said, shoot me in the freaking face. But like it, it hasn't been great. Right. I mean, as the more we've seen of Rodney Magruder, the more we've realized, okay. I mean, he's a nice, you know, reclamation project as we talk about, but he's, he's not a starter in the NBA and he may not be a rotation player on a good team. And so, and I feel like with some of the other guys they're playing, like you mentioned Dion. Okay. I got this from a lot of heat fans. Well, he has to show he's healthy from the ankle and he can score again. And other teams are going to want him. Do you got, I mean, as you said, Evan, anybody going to take Dion waiters unless, unless they're dumping an asset to get him or dumping a bad yeah. contract to get him. No. Right. I mean, no matter what. So you just, by the way, you just, just to your Rodney Magruder point is to help uh, make it is the Peter principle. Mm-hmm. It's a concept in management. Um, the higher you get, the less competent you become. Right. So the more you're actually um, doing, the less competent you become mm-hmm. is basically what you're saying with Magruder. And I was one of those people that loved him early on and love him as part of the team and think he's like, they want him to be the guard version of Udonis Haslam. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Udonis was never going to be the every touch guy. Like and Udonis had a role and that was his like around star. Right. So right. I'm still, I'm still of the belief you keep a guy like Magruder I'm not, I'm not so attached to anyone anymore because of what we've seen the last three years that I wouldn't be okay letting them go by way of trade. Right. All right, so let's go through the rest of these guys because we mentioned waiters, all right? So the three others, Tyler Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, and James Johnson. Um, okay, so... I, yeah, I have how, a, how do you get sorry. rid of any of the three of them until they're expiring? Okay, so my, my thought process is this. I've thought about a million different ways, J.J., to Houston. I think when you get uh, Kenneth Farid in the mix, and I know they're not the exact same player, I think they then use their assets for something bigger than James Johnson. In other words, I think that before the Kenneth Farid, I was thinking, okay, well, you take on Brandon tonight, maybe Spinity's from South Florida, Reclamation Project, whatever, and then you take their garbage with it, whether it's Marquise Chris or, you know, whoever, right? They get Kenneth Farid, and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know that they're actually going to do that anymore. So the JJ deal for me, and I include Dion, and I include uh, Rodney Magruder, is to to Memphis for Chandler Parsons. I think Chandler Parsons has to be a member of the Heat. I I know it sounds ridiculous. (laughs) I think Chandler Parsons becomes their way out of a lot of things. Oh my God. I, I, I agree with you and I know where you're going, but this is so sad. It just is. So, I mean, you're talking about a, but, a guy who hasn't played in two years was a total bust on that contract. And that's the way. Okay. Go ahead. Continue. He is, but, but even find, find someone or something that is a more logical, fair way out than that guy, because, and maybe Memphis doesn't want both James Johnson and, um, and Dion. But I don't know how you get out of some of these contracts without a guy like that. Like, I'm mad that Luel Dang is not still on the Lakers deal because that would have helped the Heat. Like, they need that. Timothy Mozgov, like, you need those deals in order to get this done. But I don't know that Pat and the Heat are willing to just say, we think we're going to have the same record without all these guys we, we, you know, we gave money to. Like, at some point, there has to be the sunk, sunk cost. Like, Hassan Whiteside is just not anything sorry like so if you trade him for Jan Mahini or Timothy Mozgov and it ends up being capitally so what at this point that, that to Chris's point it actually would allow for 
understanding of roles better because Bam's the, the starter and you're the backup, whoever you are that they're getting in return for him. So my initial James Johnson deal was initially to Houston, but now I'm going with the Memphis, J.J. Dion, and I'll throw in Magruder so they can at least have some sort of asset there for Chandler Parsons. Um, I, I, I understand it. I just think, I, I, first off, I have no idea what Memphis wants to do at this point because they've got just this ridiculous amount of salary uh, that they owe for the next couple of years. And now that, they, now that they've kind of announced that they're ready to do business for Conley and Gasol, then what are they looking for? Are they looking for young players? Are they looking for cap relief? Are they looking to basically start over and tank? Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what that rebuild looks like in Memphis because you want I, me to do my quick, you want me to do my quick Memphis? I can give you two quickly sure. if you want. Sure. Okay. So my quick Memphis is this Conley, as I mentioned to the Pacers, you get Tyreek Evans back, Collison and Corey Joseph. Okay. That were that. And then, uh, oh, and Kyle Quinn, all expiring contracts. Okay. And then basically the Pacers are substituting Mike Conley for Oladipo this year is how you would look at that. And they'd probably have to get in the buyout market or make another deal. Then the second, and, and maybe even give up the first rounder, uh, Indiana would. The second one is Marcus Gasol um, to San Antonio for his brother. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm being serious. Again, I'm being fantastic. serious. I... <laughs> and you'd have to give up, like, let's say Quincy Pondexter. I'm just looking at it here. And then uh, um, a first. So Memphis uh, protected first at some point. Memphis would get two first-rounders in those deals that have all expiring contracts. That would not – and there's probably other pieces that would have to be involved. But that would not necessarily then fit with the whole why would you want J.J. and Neon on the team. I get that. But that's what I would – that's my Memphis thought. Anyway, go ahead. From Memphis standpoint, I just I, – again, I don't, I don't know – I mean, I, I might even consider acquiring either. I'm, I, probably Conley more than Gasol. But, um, yeah, I, I think – you know, taking on reclamation projects, taking on uh, salary relief to maybe get that a year early. But again, if you're Memphis and you're heading towards a rebuild phase, I don't know why you want three years of either Olin or James Johnson or Waiters on your books because, I mean, that's I mean, those are players that might help you win, but you don't want to win. Uh, those might be players that you know might be an issue. I, I I just don't know, you know, what what would that incentive be other than we're just ridding ourselves of this issue that has been looming over our franchise for the last couple of years. Yeah, it's- that would be what they would be doing right, right exactly but they might be <laughs> right. taking on a new one would be my, my point i don't know if i right. want to do that right um all right so so the chandler parsons idea is an interesting idea for mm-hmm. the heat again can't can't believe i'm uh saying that didn't didn't one of you two guys have some possibilities with sacramento or or, did, or yeah, those yeah. Just... I, I had th- that for me was just a, a straight uh you know to, just a complete cap relief and and sacramento gets a, a couple of players that help them win i think it was uh so i had it as a uh, randolph uh, who's on 11 million and it is expiring, and you can watch him retire too. Uh, Shumpert and Costa Kufus uh, for uh, Tyler Johnson and Deion Waiters was my was my idea. Just to get off of that, I money. would. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I would not do that if I'm Sacramento. Yeah, just. I, I mean, I, right. it, I I may have just gotten to my low point as a Heat fan just now <laughs> by, by what I just said. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. I, I, I would not do it because Sac- you can make the argument that Sac- Sacramento comparatively is better than the Heat right now. They have eleven million dollars of space. They're their, definitely their pick better than the Heat right now. Over, yeah, well, they, and they could the pick could turn over to Boston this year. Like I'm not doing that without a sweetener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, the Dion part, the t- the Tyler part, I could I could maybe live with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. The Dion part, I need a sweetener on that one. I, I just for me the reason why the reason why I thought of it is because. Um, you look at their team, right? Obviously, it's a pretty deep team, and they're playing a lot of guys, but you look at their guard position, 
Um, they're, they're, last night they played Yogi Ferrell 39 minutes. Uh, they DNP rested Shumpert. Uh, they played uh, Ben McLemore 13 minutes and Frank Mason 10 minutes. So for, just from a backcourt standpoint, I think they can afford to upgrade on the Yogi Ferrell, Shumpert, uh, Mason, McLemore combination because uh, th- there are teams, and, and maybe th- we can explore this in other areas like Detroit. But, are you co- but Chris, are you confident that they would rather Deion Waiters than Iman Shumpert? Because I'm not. I'm saying I'm saying the the combination uh like so would you rather have Yogi Ferrell and uh, and Iman Shumpert or Dion Waiters and Tyler Johnson I I, I don't know but Yogi, I, if I'm factoring in contracts Yogi Ferrell and Iman Shumpert yeah yeah that's true yeah that's probably true. I mean I think the, the, but, the thing but the, but the thing you have to consider too is they're they're two games off the playoffs and I really think Sacramento wants to make the playoffs like there are a couple of teams like this Detroit really wants to make the playoffs Charlotte really wants to make the playoffs uh, and and I think Sacramento probably really wants to go for it and New Orleans probably too uh, just because they have to do anything they can to prove uh, that they can keep Anthony Davis so I think there there are some teams that really want to make it and again I don't uh, Miami probably does too because that's just who they are as an organization but, See, but I, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tell you something as we we're, we're, as we go through these okay and I think it all comes back to Gorn. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one that you look at and say he actually would have value to another team, and although they love him, they actually would have to be willing to give him up. Mm-hmm. Because if you substitute Gorin for some of the names that we've thrown out there, and then you just say, can you get rid of one of these guys by giving a team Goran Dragic and not taking really anything but expirings in return? I think that's where conversations can be started. So which team? Because I was looking at this and I got shot down yesterday because I said the one option would be Denver. Uh, not that I don't love Murray, but I, I just feel like uh, sometimes he's a little bit better off the ball and, and sort of leading the second unit as well. And so I thought if you had a combo guard in Goron, that that might make sense. But a lot of people shot me down on Twitter on that one. So the, the ones that were sent out to me, and again, this is before the Oladipo injury, were Indiana and Utah uh, because Goron would give Utah something they don't have, which is scoring from the point guard position, which I, I, I think they need because it would take some burden off Donovan Mitchell, whose metrics are down this year, and he's had to carry, uh, uh, in my view, a bigger burden if you had Yeah, Goran. I mean, I trade, I trade Goran for Ricky Rubio tomorrow. Right. Done and done. Right. Yeah. I think it makes one sense. What's, what, what's Rubio's deal? He's got one year left? One year, $14 million. Yeah. And then I try to flip Rubio to a team that what maybe need an additional ball handler because he could maybe come off the bench. And and you, uh, you I think you just about solved your tax issue too. Probably another probably an Ellington trade would probably get you there, but that that trade saves you three and a half million. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think I think I would do that. Uh, the other one too, I, I just love the idea of sending him to Dallas. Uh, so the the one that I came up with. Wes Matthews um, and Dennis Smith Jr. is a no-brainer for, for right. me. Right. So, so for me, it's uh, it's Wes Matthews. Um, you, you do them a favor by taking Dwight Powell off their hands because he's he's got a player. No, 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 no. He's he's a ten million dollar. I mean, you're you're still getting cap relief. So, no, I have I happen to like him, but I I'm telling you, like, let's not forget the way the Heat are going to position it. We are giving you an All Star that has no ego, that knows your best player, that will do everything in his power to take your best player, and we're going to take someone that you actually just exiled. Mm-hmm. I, they don't need to take a bad contract with that. 
Okay. I, I, well, I, I was I was I was gonna give I was gonna give them Olinic back. That would, that that would be my way of of doing that. Is you give them Dragic, Olinic, and Magruder for Wes Matthews is expiring. Uh, Dwight Powell, who comes off next year, and Dennis Smith Jr. is, is was, was the trade. If you if you want to take Olinic and Dwight Powell out, then I, I would I would probably do Dragic and Magruder for Wes Matthews and and Dennis Smith Jr. too. So you want to make sure that they corner the market on six foot eleven or seven foot white bigs who can shoot, basically. <laughs> you're, you're, yes, that's you're, you're going to give them, like you're a good market a in the NBA one. today. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly. I, look, I I like the Dennis Smith possibility. Um, I I you know I and if you watched uh, uh, Luca's body language the other day, uh, there was something that was you know a, a meme on on Twitter or video on Twitter where every time that Dennis Smith has the ball, just the look on Lucas face at this point, like that's not workable. It, it does not look like those two can coexist. But to me, it's the same thing as faults. It's just a different kind of issue, right? With faults, it's whatever the hell happened to his shot and maybe the physical and maybe the mental with Dennis Smith jr. It seems to be that, I mean, he wants to be the man is a ball hog, and all the rest, but I mean, the Heat have dealt with that kind of player before. Like, I'm not that concerned about that. I feel like they got him in the system. I mean, he has elite athleticism, and that's. I, I'm with both of you guys on this. Like, I think you need to take a shot, if flyer on high upside, you know, boomer bust high picks. I, I think you and you need to see if because if if the culture is what they claim it is, then you should be able to mold that into something. And so I would take a look. Uh, at Dennis Smith Jr. and I'm with both of you guys. I think they're going to have to move Goran. I hate it because I like love Goran personally and and love his game, but it serves another purpose. Like when you have Goran here, it's going to be hard to just put the ball in Justice's hands and let him go with it. Like okay, I, so so th- this is something I wanted to talk about. So can we discuss briefly what a team that you want to build around Justice Winslow looks like? Because I, first off, I, I've I'm I've always been kind of a Justice Winslow skeptic, so I remain one. But just the idea of when when we're saying we can't we can't have these players in the team because they take justice out of this role what does a team that's built around justice winslow look like for you guys okay so i'm not a big believer that the big point guard long term works what i i mean th- listen there's magic johnson i'm not like <laughs> once in a lifetime right I'm saying Penny ultimately moved positions. Steve Smith ultimately moved positions. Jalen Rose ultimately moved positions. I believe Ben Simmons will ultimately move move positions. But what I do believe is the young player that hasn't developed all of the skills except for passing and dribbling, playmaking, and defense, if you start him out there as an oversized point to develop other skills, it's much easier to then get that person, I think, to small forward when they then, or power forward, when they then have those full skills developed and they could potentially have a matchup problem in that, in that regard. In other words, if Ben Simmons, because he can't shoot now, plays point guard, it hides him. He, the matchup is he's 6'10". The guy that's guarding him is 6'4". He has an advantage. He has no advantage, in essence, if he's playing power forward because nobody's going to play him on the outside and bigger guys can play him inside. If Justice now develops the three-point shot, which he has, I think he ultimately moves to small forward. I would bet their long-term goal is not for him to be the point guard. I don't know if that it, makes sense, but that's no, how it I does. It. it does. Well, Doc Rivers kind of touched on this yesterday. He talked. He was talking about Justice as a point guard, and he was saying that that he didn't think of it. Actually, Nikias Duncan did, but he didn't think of it. But his whole thought process on it was that why he thought it was brilliant was it's forced other teams to guard him, and so you know that. 
you know, and, and, and Chris, you talked about this a lot before justice developed, you know, more of an outside shot that you were concerned that the heat were going to be Tony Allen, right? Like there was going to be four on five situations all the time. And so what doc was kind of saying was until he gets the shot where he wants it to put the ball in his hands, forces a, all five. Yeah, def- I yeah. To defend. Right, which, and, and I, I saw, I, I actually almost fell off my chair last night. I saw the Clippers last night, even in the loss, they chased him off the three point line. Like they, like when he pump faked and someone jumped at it and I was like, wow, that's happening now for Justice Winslow. Like, that's a major step forward because, obviously, I think he's a much stronger finisher. Now, he didn't end up finishing uh, the layup opportunity he created for himself, but the idea that someone's chasing him off the three-point line is a major step forward for him in his career. So, Chris, do you not even think, like, when they're right, do you think he's a starter? I do. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a starter. I just, I, to me, this, this idea of, you know, since Goran has gone out, they've given him the controls to the team because I think it's the most logical thing to have done based off of their available right. options. But I, I just, I'm not a believer Which, in... Which, by the way, doubles down on why the Tyler Johnson contract is so horrific. <laughs> right, he right. He literally can't even be a fill-in point guard at six foot two. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. But just like, but just like, so I get it for the near term. Just but like, we we, we got to you know, not we got to. But one of the considerations you give to moving Goran Dragic is well, we got to keep Justice Winslow with the ball. Like I just think if we're talking about bringing in whales, there's not a universe in which you bring in a whale and Justice Winslow is still handling the ball. Like I, I just don't. I, like to me, the ceiling. Well, unless, uh, it, unless it's Anthony Davis, in okay, which case he could sure. be. Uh, but, but no, but, but then you, yeah. but you you'd want to pair him with a backcourt guy. That's better than Justice Winslow. Like I, I just right, so think for, forget oh, better con- than Justice Winslow is now. Right. So forget contracts for a second. Let's pretend everybody on this team is healthy. The best starting lineup is what? I mean, are you like? Is it because I'm a big believer that ultimately they have to figure out a way of Josh Richardson starting a shooting guard and just end the experiment of him playing anywhere else but shooting guard. So maybe it ultimately is Goran at one, Josh at two, Justice at three. The four is a weird spot. Derek Jones Jr. is in my head thinking that it just makes sense, although I don't know that it does. And then I would rather – I want Bam, and that's it. Just call it a day. I, I, it to, just, to, me, to me, it's Olenek at the four and Bam at the five, just, just because you need to balance out shooting, and then Bam might be able to cover and defending. And, and I think you just have your best combination of everything in that group of five guys. That would be my ideal five. Okay. So then I think if that's the ideal five – and let's say other teams look at it that way as well, like, oh, those are the guys that are actually good basketball players, then I think we keep coming back to Goran and Olenek, right? Even though the Heat aren't playing Olenek, I think those are the two guys that have value. Because Olenek is not on a bad contract. He's on a bad contract in combination with the other bad contracts on this team. But in general, it's not that bad. And obviously, you know, Goran is on a great contract. See, here's a question I'll throw back at you guys. What's more likely, Goran Dragic is traded by February 7th, or Goran Dragic opts out and signs a long-term deal with the Heat for lesser per year. In other words, it's not yeah. 18 or 19. He's mm-hmm. signing a three years, 36. A double uh, I think, I, I, I think that's very possible. I mean, he made it very clear to us before the season he doesn't want to leave Miami. We had David Griffin on the pod. Uh, David's very close with Goran and made it clear he doesn't want to leave Miami. I don't think we saw before. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't think he could do better. You don't think he can do better on the open market. That, oh, I, that, that I would think, be my thing. I think he, I think yeah. he absolutely could, but I, I think I, I do think that in certain situations, you know, personal preference, lifestyle preference does matter, and he's one of those guys who's he, made it. He, he has already given up. Matter. I mean, I mean, the the, the long term deal he signed with the Heat, he gave up some off the top too. So it, he, I mean, he did, you're, you're asking him to do it a second time. 
he's got two young kids. Um, he he likes it. I mean, he just he just likes it down here. I mean, I've well, talked to him. Remember when he first got? He remember when he first got to the Heat and his family wasn't with him and he was a mess. And he I'm was not knocking that. I'm saying like you give him credit on that. Like he's actually a person. Yeah, no, he he is. He wants to be here. I I absolutely think he could do that. I I just I, you guys hit on something though with this point guard thing, because it's it's kind of driven me crazy. And I I think this played into the waiters situation too. Like. Just because Dwayne Wade, okay, or Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant can be, you know, a, a, a or a James Harden, who's, I guess, playing point guard now, but, you know, can be a high, high usage guy at the two spot. And so you don't really need a point guard to play off of him. You know, it doesn't mean that you needed to replicate that with waiters. I mean, like, like, and, and so I think when we talk about point guard, like what frustrated me watching last night and some of this was because Justice got in foul trouble. I don't want to see Justice Winslow in the corner anymore so Deion Waiters can pound the ball into the into the you know into the hardwood for 22 seconds. I'm just I'm not interested in that. And I don't know why they are. Like it was one thing when Dwayne Wade was doing it. They don't fucking have Dwayne Wade at his in his prime at this stage. Okay. And, and it's like Wait, why? Ethan, maybe you just maybe you just hit on something. I had not thought about this. Maybe Houston's an option for Dion. Because maybe they look at it and say, whatever Harden is doing for them, I think it's ridiculous, but whatever he's doing for them works. Who can we get like that so we don't change systematically? He'd be that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's, He'd I love mean, that... the idea of scoring on every single play and not actually being responsible to pass. <laughs> right. right. I mean, Harden no, won four games without like, an The James basket. Harden last five games is just like, it, I cringe. at like Because Greg Pop's like, I, I said this uh, on the serious show. Like, there's no chance in hell that Greg Popovich and Eric Spolstra would allow the offense that Houston is running to be run. It's just, it's not sustainable. It's not for team basketball, and it's not going to ultimately win. But if they like it that way, then I mean, Dion would kind of make sense there. But and but the thing, but, but Houston, the thing is, I mean, like, you guys think that Mike D'Antoni wants to be doing this? I don't. No, I think he's I be, he's being forced into it by one necessity and two the player that he has. I think they still shoot a shitload of threes. So so they're they're still kind of, you know, upholding the, to their offensive philosophy that way. And it's kind of the most effective way for them to play right now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I'm just saying, like, I cringe at that. I, I think, that, God, this is so frustrating because every trade I'm thinking about, every trade I have, like, I you know, I, I had my three kind of like, okay, I think this is what they're going to do. Goran, or could do. Goran to Dallas for Dennis Smith Jr. and Wes Matthews. Uh, mm-hmm. Olenek and Ellington to Philly for Fultz, Muscala, and Patton. J.J. Dion and, and Rodney to Memphis for Chandler Parsons. And then I hear all of that, and I'm like, I don't know that any part of me believes the Heat would actually do that in season. No. And, like, I then go to the place of, well, nobody really is going to want Dion despite the Houston conversation. Nobody's really going to want Tyler. Nobody's going to want Whiteside. Like, you just have to look at, like, when Whiteside's numbers go up, the team numbers are just terrible, and you know they're going to – like, if he scores early, forget it. Turn the game off. It's over. They're going to lose. <laughs> and I don't know how they get out of this other than maybe biting the bullet because if we go back to Ethan's point of some of these guys they may not be willing to trade and some of these teams they may not be willing to trade with, well, then what the hell are they going to do? So what happens? What do you think they end up doing? I think nothing. I, they, I, okay, they, 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 they get off the tax. That, that, that's all they do. They get off the tax. I think they're going to they're gonna trade Ellington. I, but I, I think they're going to trade Ellington more because they feel bad for him and they want to do right by him, not because of all the basketball stuff and like because sure. they're like not going anywhere. That's not going to be the motivation for it. The motivation for it will be Wayne takes them into the tax. That's all. And and that's totally reasonable. Like, it's totally reasonable for them to have that perspective. And and I think that they're going to dump 
uh, Wayne to whoever can will take him at this stage. And if they can get a high second round pick, that's probably the best they're going to do. I don't think they're getting a first. I don't. I I, th- I think uh, I thought so earlier in the season, but I mean, you haven't played him in a month. Like, <laughs> I don't think they're getting a first round pick for Wayne Ellington at this stage. That, that would that, that's going to be frustrating for me as a fan. And I'll tell you why. Just simply getting the second round pick is very frustrating because I'd rather get less and give more to shed than mm-hmm. get. Like, I'd rather say take one of these bad contracts and I'll take. Take one of the three years. I'll take your two year, even if you don't give me a second round, mm-hmm. because it, it's almost almost patriot like in that like the Heat kind of don't need to draft the fine guys, mm-hmm. so the extra second rounder doesn't necessarily like if Duncan Robinson and Yante Martin, however you say his name, like become something. They weren't drafted. Like I, I have such faith in that organization. Like I don't need the second round pick. They'll find someone. Right. They lost faith in themselves, which is the biggest problem, because it all comes back to, and I know I brought up the Anthony Davis thing, but it all comes back to they found all these guys on the scrap heap, James Johnson and, and Dion, et cetera, Tyler, and they didn't think they could do it again. No, I, 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 I completely disagree. Whales I, again. I, I completely disagree. I don't think they lost faith in themselves. I think they fell in love with themselves. I think they're like, wow, we're so good at this. Look at these guys, and these guys buy into what we into what we want, and so we're going to pay them as, as a reward for what we've done. They could have done that again. They know they could have done that again. They fell in love with themselves. They looked in the mirror, and they loved what they saw, and so let's bring it back again because we love these guys, and they love us. I disagree. I think the cock – if you're thinking that they're, they're, in essence, falling in love with themselves, cocky, whatever, the cockier way of doing it is to try to find it again versus making those guys do it again. I, I'm actually like, I'm hey, actually with both we got- on this. Um, because I, I, I think what they I think what the real motivation was, uh, first thing I agree with Chris entirely. They just should have rolled it back and, and just signed a bunch of guys to one year contracts. But I think really what this was about was they felt badly about themselves after the big three. They felt badly about the fact that, you know, Bosch left unhappy, LeBron left unhappy, Wade left unhappy. Then you go deeper uh, you know, Ray Allen, I know they celebrate him, you know, with inside the heat every three minutes. Okay. These days, Ray was not happy when he left. James Jones was not happy. Mike Miller, as we discussed earlier, not happy. Myro Chalmers, when are these M bleepers going to tell me what the bleep is going on? Okay. None of these guys were happy. Chris Anderson wasn't happy by the end. None of them. Okay. Shane was the only, and, sh- and even Shane had his moments. Okay. Before he ended up uh, upstairs in the organization, Norris Cole wasn't thrilled to be traded. Nobody left happy. And so, I think that the Heat looked at this and they were like, "And who does?" Deion Waiters and James Johnson are are yelling culture at the top of their lungs. Oh, this is great! Everybody loves us again, and we'll repair our image around the league. And so, fell in love with the rebound girlfriend. Right, right. (laughs) And the rebound girlfriend was nothing like the one differently. I see it differently because I just don't know anybody who actually leaves anywhere happy. You know, like you always break up unhappy in some way. I mean, I get your point. I don't. I'm not necessarily on the same page. It's amazing. We've spent an hour plus or whatever it is talking about this, and none of us are confident that they're going to do anything. Forget this year, because we know they're going to hover between you know six and eight, let's say, or six and nine. None of us said anything that gives us any confidence that they are going to put themselves in a position to develop more assets, a la full flesh, Dennis Smith Jr. and whoever, to either build together and rid themselves of contracts or be able to trade for or acquire a whale. So we literally are all three of us in agreement right now that they are probably going to run some sort of version of this back, correct? 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. Wonderful. What a good usage <laughs> of our time. This is, this is making me miserable. I, I don't know what made me most miserable. The Kings trade that Chris threw out there or the fact that that's the realization after all this time. Yeah. And yeah, we just spent 70 minutes on this and, and the trade deadline is going to pass and it's going to be Wayne Ellington is traded for a protected second round pick uh, to Sacramento, you know, that they, that the heat might get in 2026 if 23 things break right. I mean, that that's probably where we're headed right now, but we figured we'd do it anyway. Anyway, follow him at Evco uh, Radio on Twitter and at his 37 jobs when he's not on the trade machine. We appreciate your guys' suggestions. Hopefully uh, we helped you out with this and didn't depress you too much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Fire in the Podcast. Thank you so much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.